Blog Talk Radio. I am always patient, my friends, and I wait for that Blog Talk Radio to come on because how many times have I started talking only to have that interrupt me midway through something I was saying? I started hearing that Blog Talk Radio. But I want to welcome all of you and tell you that you're listening to the winning book radio show off the shelf. For this first Saturday in April, I hope nobody got you guys yesterday for April Fool's Day. Uh, uh, I know as a kid, people will get, get get you all the time, but I'm curious to know if anybody got any of you yesterday for April the Fool's Day. But we want to welcome you to our Saturday, April the 2nd. You know, I know April Fool's worries here today to our off-the-shelf show, and we thank you so much for joining us. We have... I, we have an awesome guest on deck, and we've always had great guests here at Off the Shelf. It's just truly been a blessing. But this is something, the day's topic is going to touch on something that a lot of people struggle with even now. I see commercials where I live for different ways to deal with financial issues. Some people do those title loans, which I don't recommend those. Some people do the check, quick check cashing. Some people, they had us, they had these um Pay pay advances years ago that you would see them in your neighborhoods, and I think they've kind of shut a lot of those down. But some of these are predatory things, or people will take out high-interest loans, and they go deeper and deeper and deeper into this financial hole, which can cause other problems. So this is a show. uh, There's still time for you to go tell somebody to tune in. This is a show that might help you in ways that you might not imagine beyond entertainment, something that could really help you and your family. And and the dial-in number is 347-994-3490, or people can join in the chat room uh, if they just look up Denise Turney off the shelf here at Blog Talk Radio. But, again, there's still time for people to dial in, and that's 347-994-3490. It's not going to be anything that will embarrass anybody, but if you know somebody who you think might benefit from some financial insight from somebody who's walked through it, then, I, again, I encourage you to, to have them call 347-994-3490. But before we get into today's show, I want to leave you with a thought. And this thought actually could apply to today's show, whether you're in a situation where you're finding yourself going into a hole uh, or you, you are at the point now where you're ready to come out. And so I leave you with this thought for today. A river cuts through a rock not because of its power, but its persistence. A river cuts through a rock not because of its power, but its persistence. And that applies whichever direction in life you're headed. If you keep heading in the wrong direction and are persistent about that, you end up in a deep ditch. If you're persistent about coming out, then you'll end up free. So our listeners, I also want to encourage you, and I ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you, and do you value relationships? And not just a romantic relationship, but friendships and, and, and family relationships, as you see how, again, back to the river, how over time that one of the relationships we're in, the longest is, is with our parents, how that shapes us and what that does to us in our relationships with our friends and how they can help reshape us 
and also relationships that we have with with someone, a intimate relationship with someone. If you value these things, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me, and you can get a copy in ebook or print at at any online or offline retailer, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, ebook it. Uh, if you don't see it on the shelf, just tell the clerk you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. They can order a special copy for you, and when it comes in, they'll just call you and you can come pick it up. Or you can order Love Pour Over Me at my website at chistel.com, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Again, that's Love Pour Over Me. Please go get a copy, and you will be so glad that you gifted yourself with a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And now, let us go and meet today's special off-the-shelf guest. And our guest today, I sort of gave you an introduction to her at the start of the show, but our special guest this morning is Snow Saxman. And I came across her via email. I got something from a, um, a book site, and I said, wow, that really sounds interesting. And so Snow is the author of the book, Bankrupt to Six Figures, and it's the title that grabbed my attention. And then when I think about having worked in financial services, I've worked in financial services over 17 years, the trouble people get in over money. So this is a topic that applies to so many people, whether it doesn't just apply to people who you might think are meet the federal government poverty line, but people earning six figures, millions of dollars, billions of dollars, they can get themselves in trouble with money. So we're just honored to have her with us. Again, she's the author of the book, Bankrupt of Six Figures. And she doesn't just talk about how putting God, number one, leads to success in every area of our lives. She's actually living this out. At 25, Snow was a millionaire. And this is the place where a lot of people think, I've got it made financially. I'm done. I have no more financial worries. But 10 years later, Snow Saxon was bankrupt. Today she earns a six-figure income. So how does she get out of that? She knows that simply getting a lot of money isn't enough if you don't know how to manage money. And she says at her website that with God's help, I've been able to channel a painful past into a purposeful future and help other women with my unique gifts and talents. And you can check Snow out online at snowsaxman.com, and that's S. N O W E S A X, like xylophone, X M A N dot com, S N O W E S S as in Sam, A X M A N dot com, snowsaxman dot com. And I encourage you to go over there now, even as you listen to the interview, so you can learn more about our services and different uh, 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 services or consulting work she does that you might want to take advantage of or just learn more about. So welcome to Off the Shelf Snow. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to share. We are honored to have you. As I was telling you, I received an email, and it's just the title, um, Bankrupt the Six Figures, is really like grabs your attention, and it's something that people really need to hear because there are a lot of predatory services out here as well that say they I can I fix it, I can make it all right for you, do, consolidate your credit, make everything right. And I'm not saying all these services are predatory, but some of them are. So it's good to have somebody who's not going to charge you interest through the roof and end up putting you in a bad worse situation 
on here with us on Off the Shelf. Your story is inspiring, Snow. So, so before we launch in today's show's questions, this is something that we do with each of our guests. Could you tell our Off the Shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up so our listeners get a little backstory on you? Sure, of course. So I grew up in Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and um, I grew up in a very well-to-do um, home. My dad was an executive, so we had, a, you know, one of the biggest houses in the neighborhood. My parents drove Mercedes and Cadillac. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and a socialite, and I had one brother. I grew up going to the best schools, and we, we pretty much had, had everything. I had a really great childhood as far as that goes. However, comma, I was being sexually abused by a male family member from the time I was probably about two. It's, it's actually the earliest memories I have. Um, and it went on until I was about 16, and it was because of that that led me to make some really wrong decisions in my personal life, um, and also what really led to um, the bankruptcy, a piece of the bankruptcy was tied to um, that as well, on top of, um, you know, not managing money well. So that's how I grew up. I went to college. I got a degree in accounting. I always wanted to be the chief financial officer of a major corporation and, and run it from the managerial side of accounting, which means that you're looking at financial statements, you're looking at, for growth opportunities, and you're running a company, you know, from the finances. And so that's what I always wanted to do. So I graduated from college. I got my first job at Walt Disney World um, because I moved to Florida after graduating college. I actually was married had a baby, and then got divorced while in college. And so I just to move and away from where I had grown up to get away from my abusive ex-husband. And so I moved to Florida, got my first job as an accountant at Walt Disney World at 22 years old. And um, it seemed like the perfect job. My daughter was two years old. She was going to um, Disney school, like she was going to preschool on Disney property. I was going through the, you know, gates of Walt Disney World every day for work, but within a few months, I literally figured out that working for someone else was not for me. I just could not, um, I did not like not being able to control my time and control my income. I got my first raise, and it was a dollar an hour, and my whole life flashed before my eyes, and I thought, I can't do this for 40-some years, you know, and so I left, um, and I got, um, I went back to graduate school to get my master's in business, and then I started my first business doing consulting for small businesses, helping them form their businesses, do the accounting setup, you know, plan for taxes. So I've literally been an entrepreneur for over 17 years. So that's a little bit how I got started and where I came from. Wow, interesting story. Oh, my goodness. Very, very interesting. You know, something that you said, well, two things, uh, what happened when you were two years old, um, and and it's, it's, it is really inspiring that you love yourself enough to – care for that two-year-old you and get yourself where you are today. I think that's a incredible sign of self-love, that you didn't leave yourself there. And, and that's just amazing. But uh, also, um, when you said you realized so young, a uh, dollar an hour raise, do you know how many of us would tell ourselves that's good, that you got anything at all? Your your perspective right. on it, it is is it, it speaks volumes for not only where you are, but how other people, I think of the Anthony Robbins and the different people, the Lisa Nichols, you could go on and on. They, they're like, no, I want, this, I want more. I want something else. They see it right away, and they don't just settle for 
what what the what the average is, and they should just be happy with it. So I really commend you on both of those things. Now, one one million dollars, Snow, by age twenty five. That's that's the status that so many are striving for. You hit it, one million dollars by twenty five. I mean, that's impressive. You started your own companies. That's how you earned your financial wealth in your early twenties. Uh, uh, what did you specialize in? To you, you got a dollar raise. You go from that to to a millionaire. What what did you specialize in? Did you generate that that type of income? Um, great question. Thanks for asking, and thank you for your, your compliments as well. So um, I started my first business, like I said, doing accounting setup and helping people form companies. And one of my first clients was my uh, second husband, who's my husband, you know, today. And um, he was starting his first business. And I actually had another client who was in construction and real estate. And my husband was getting out of the military. He was an officer and he was uh, uh, getting medically discharged and retired early, and so he got a large sum of money. And my other client, um, who was kind of, like you said, a predator, saw that he had a lot of money and offered him um, an investment opportunity into his construction and real estate company. And so my husband gave him the money, and my husband was basically going to be the financial backer. He gave him a large lump sum of money, and then he went out and got three construction perm loans in his name. So the, my other client was going to do all the construction work, and my husband would be the financial backer, and they would split the profits for these um, uh, properties that we were going to build. So this was back in in the year two, 1999 to 2000, so uh, right before the economy really started to boom and then crashed years later. And so um, the guy that we invested with, basically within a couple months, we realized he had just spent the money on his own personal stuff and, and then basically took off. And my husband mm. had these three construction um, perm loans that were in his name. So he already had bought the land and he had a loan to build these properties, but the guy was basically gone, and of course, we wouldn't have trusted him at that point. We realized he had spent, you know, fifty thousand dollars on nothing, um, and so we really had no choice but to build these homes. And and my husband had an engineering background, and of course, with my, you know, business gifting and financial gifting, um, we just started to build these homes. And out of building those homes, my husband's natural gifting of influence and management, along with mine, we were able to build a multimillion-dollar construction real estate company. So by the time I was 25, um, I was a millionaire, and um, and it was it was amazing. We had more money than we knew what to do with. <laughs> However, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's basically what we did through construction real estate. You know, I'm hearing a, a theme come up um, with with you. And and you—that's the second time I've heard you say something where you had an obstacle, and it, it, again, so many of us let uh, we make an, a reason for why we can't do more. You seem to have something, some part of you, which is a blessing that no matter what the situation, and I, sometimes we don't see these things in ourselves, but you will find a way out of it, over it, through it. Uh, uh, so you, you, you and your husband, you, you run into this guy. You, you, you're doing these business. You have to build these homes. He's, he's ripping you off. He hasn't done the work. Fifty thousand gone, but you kept somehow. You figured it out, and <laughs> you went on to earn. So many people would have been in court battles, and they just would have went totally just given up. But there's something in you that keeps you going. I wanted to ask you next. Having said that. Why why did you file bankruptcy? Or maybe a better question is, 
How did you how did you go uh, from a million dollars? You just told us how you got the million despite that early that early challenge. But how did you go from having a million dollars of to fitting bankruptcy requirements? Great question, um, which I get asked all the time and why I wrote the book as well. So um, we did build a multi-million dollar construction real estate company. So like I said, by the time I was 25, I was officially a millionaire. And um, then, as you know, in 2006, the economy started to crash, and we lived in Orlando, Florida. So the boom here was major. That's one of the reasons why we were able to build a big company was because of where we were living. And when the economy started to crash, um, I think at the time there were 1,400 builders in the Orlando area, which is huge. And so um, we began to, you know, obviously not be able to find as much work. And and I knew what was going to happen, and so did my husband with the bubble bursting, because we couldn't build homes fast enough. And homes here in Orlando were literally a $100,000 home became a $300,000, a $400,000 home. And based on, you know, studying for my master's in business and understanding economics and finances, an area, a normal area where a $100,000 home would be, the, you know, economics, like the amount of money that's in that area cannot support a home now being valued at three or $400,000. People can't even afford the taxes on that. And so I saw what was going to happen, and my husband and I basically um, kind of got caught up in, well, you know what, it's just going to keep getting worse. It's keep going to keep getting worse. So really what's the point? And the, the truth is is that we actually ended up not showing up for ourselves anymore and buying into our own lie that there wouldn't be enough work for us instead of trusting God, really, instead of saying, okay, well, God, is this what you have for us? And if it is, then we firmly believe that you can provide for us. And so we got into a lack mentality. And so by the time, you know, I, we were 30s older, we were um, actually living on food stamps. Um, you know, our kids were on Medicaid. We were on government assistance. Um, we literally were creating almost no money. Like there were several months where we created no money. And the, the entire year we probably created $10,000. Now, God provide for us. He is so amazing as he always, you know, is. Like we um, were living in a nice home still and not having to pay the uh, mortgage on it. So, you know, we God was providing in ways to take care of us, but we weren't showing up for ourselves. And um, I know what God has promised me personally and my husband. I know it's in his word as well. And so after a few years of this, I finally just cried out to him one day and I said, God, you know, I don't understand what you're waiting on. Like, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. You know, we're praying, we're believing, we're giving when we have no money. We give things, we give our time. I know what your word said. I know we're not supposed to live broke. Like, this is not what you intended for us to do. Like, regardless of what anyone says, you know, even a job that keeps you just above broke is not what God intended. And so I cried out to him and asked him what he was waiting on to bless me. And this is only the second time I've ever heard him audibly speak to me. Like, I heard him in my ear say, no, you are not waiting on me. I am waiting on you. And I literally, like, turned my head, like, what? I, wh- the problem is me? And he was like, yes. And God began to reveal to me it was my own lack of mentality that had driven us down this road of bankruptcy, living on food stamps, and really just not showing up and using the gifts and talents he had given us and really trusting him and, and stepping into what he had already given us. And, and that's what happened. Wow. Oh, my God. What a story. <laughs> you have stories <laughs> I know. within – you have stories within stories. Because I was going <laughs> to ask you, did you – did you start to see, and I think about our listeners when I ask questions, but I was was going to ask you, did you start to see 
your savings money, and you say, yeah, you started to see, like when the market was crashing, you started to see it coming. But so for like a lot of our listeners, they might be able to see that they've bounced a few checks. They might be able to see that they went to withdraw something out of the ATM and they didn't have it. They can see that things are starting to shift. Um, but did did you see this? When you look back now or even then, was there something you could have saw that if you could have done something differently, you wouldn't have gone as far as bankruptcy? Yes, absolutely. And that's the whole point of why I wrote the book. And it's um, part of what I teach now, um, whether I'm doing an event or a group program or one-on-one. The whole point is what you focus on is going to grow. And so what we started to do was we started to focus on the lack. We started to focus on the lack of money not coming in. We started to focus on the bills that were late. We started to focus on the negative bank account. Instead of focusing on ways to create more money, all we were doing was focusing on what we didn't have. And um, neuroscience, which is the study of the brain, which is what a lot of my teachings are based, is now proving, literally, you are changing the shape and the texture and and what's happening when you're thinking, but also when you're a believer and you really put God first, if you understand his word, he's told you this all throughout his word as well, that what to only take, you know, only think of things above, to take every cap thought, uh, every thought captive, to guard your heart, guard your ears, watch your inner circle. He's telling you these things because your brain is so powerful. It's receiving so much information on a daily, da- da- uh, daily you know, basis. And it's actually being conditioned every single second of the day. And if you don't condition it intentionally, then everything else and everyone is going to condition it for you. And so what I started to condition my mind to think was there's never enough. There's never enough. I don't know when I'm going to get more money instead of saying, God, how can I? God, what do you want me to do? How can I make more money? And I constantly tell my clients to focus on the money, like focus on creating more money, not the bills, not the taxes, not the debt. Yes, you have to be aware of it. We don't ignore it because we have to actually create a plan. But if the focus has to be how can I create more money, not, oh, I don't have any money. Yeah, the way the brain works as well, whatever you tell it, it's going to spit right back out to you. So when you say things like, I never have enough money, your brain goes, yeah, you're right. You never have enough money. Your bank account's always negative. You can never pay your bills on time. You're right. You never have enough money because that's how the brain is designed to respond to you. But when you say, how can I create more money? The brain will say, oh, well, you know, you could sell that and start a business. Or how about you do this? Or how about, you know, there's money there that you didn't use. Or, and it will start giving you ideas. And so what you focus on is so important every single day. Mm, now, where and when did you get the idea for the book, Bankrupt to Six Figures? You're going through this huge experiences. Where did the idea to write this book come from? Well, I always kind of thought I was going to write, I was always thought I was going to share a lot of my story, but when I first began to share my testimony of what God did personally in my life, I met with the president of a company uh, to share my testimony, and when I shared it with him, he said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, kind of, and he's like, no, you need to write a book. <laughs> so he, um, he was the first one that kind of put it in my mind that I needed to write a book, and then as I began to develop my um, my following and my business online, um, a book to me just seemed like a really great way to get my story out there that would cost a lot less because 
my my desire is to impact as many people as possible. And so um, I have private client services, private coaching that is more expensive, and it's for someone who's ready to invest. But I want to be able to help people at every level. And so to me, a book means that I can share my story. I can I can give hope. I can give them tips. I can give them tools. I can give them things to do, but it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. And so for me, it was a business decision at the time to write this particular book to really share some of my story because I do share the story, although I don't go into a lot of details about things. It's a short read. It's really meant designed to inspire you, give you some some points, some life lessons, some business things, some financial pieces, and also to give you hope that, you know, no matter where you are, God still has a plan and a purpose, and you can still have the life that you want, even if you're on food stamps and filing bankruptcy like I was. So that's really was the intention of the book. And I will be releasing many more books because, like you said, I have stories within stories. <laughs> so, um, but, but that was the intention of this book was to really just give hope and get my, my story into more hands so that more people can be inspired and, and not give up and just keep going. Can you tell us, our off-the-shelf listeners, uh, who, who might be thinking, oh, this is all great, but they might want to see more practical ways uh, that bankrupt to six figures can apply to them, whether they're thinking about using your consulting services or or exploring the book further. Can you tell us about some of the topics that you cover in bankrupt to six figures? Sure, sure, of course. So I do go over, um, like I shared my story because, and like I share in the forward of the book, um, especially if you're in business, but even your financial story, if you're um, an employee and you're not yet a business owner, the truth is, is, your personal growth is directly related to your financial growth. And so I share my story because part of the lack mentality and part of what was happening at certain stages um, while we were living on food stamps and having to file bankruptcy is my self-image, the way I viewed myself wasn't, you know, what, what, how God viewed me. And it was because of um, all the trauma that had happened to me, all the bad things that I was holding on to. And so I do share my, my personal story because they are connected. You really do have to grow yourself, and then you can grow yourself financially and spiritually. It's all connected. That's why the subtitle of the book is One Woman's Journey of Emotional, Spiritual, and Financial Transformation because they truly are all connected. You've got to grow yourself emotionally, spiritually, and um, to get there financially. So I do share my story. Um, and then intertwined in my story, I do share um, God points, and I do share business points. And so I share how I was able to create one seamless magnetic brand using multiple streams of income, which most people will tell you cannot be done, that you need to stick with one thing and, and nothing else. And the truth is, is that you, you cannot master more than one thing at a time um, because of the way the brain is. You know, you, you, in order to really master something, you've got to focus just, but once you master that, you can master something else and then master something else and you can add additional streams of income to your business as long as they line up with your purpose and line up with your brand. And so um, I share about that. I share, um, I share financial wisdom in here as well. And so I give a lot of practical things along with actually, you know, inspiring and encouraging and, and helping people to really take those steps uh, towards freedom. I also share, you know, some of the ways that I've been able to create a multiple six-figure business by things like delegating. I'm super big on you should delegate everything that is not your gift and that you don't love. I have a saying, if you don't love it, lose it, um, because time is the only resource that we cannot get back. You know, your time is valuable, and you should be 
focusing on your gifts and your talents and operating there, not only because you'll see more fruit, but because that's where you'll be the happiest. Like I am results oriented, but I am not detail oriented. So my husband is extremely detail oriented. So he handles all the travel arrangements. You know, I have an assistant, in office assistant who handles all my paperwork and all the details. I don't, you know, go to the post office. I don't, there's certain things that I don't do because it just takes away from me and, and I want to be able to focus on what I love. And so I can really create more. And that's how I'm able to create a multiple six figure income with seven children, two grandchildren, a husband, we homeschool our three youngest children. So the only reason I can do all of that is because I have literally delegated. And so I share things like that in the book as well. Okay. Okay. And the, again, uh, these are uh, to our listeners. These are, things that Snow has personally experienced. It's not something she researched or, or not that she hasn't done some research on it. To, uh, to come up with the book, Bankrupt to Six Figures, she actually experienced it and lived through it. When you said the multiple streams of income, I heard this actually on the radio recently. I had a, a writer friend who, I'm going back over a decade, she had a mentor who kept telling her, the way to go is multiple streams of income, multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. And I heard that the average... It's either the average millionaire or billionaire has at least seven minimum mm-hmm. minimum or average of seven different streams of income. And when you think about corporations, they may be known for one thing. You may you may think of one thing when you think of a corporation, but they have different ways to pull money in. Uh, maybe they focus on health care, but they might have uh, uh, some type of a th- three different services that they use. They might have some tools, practical tools, like something you can hold, like a hammer or a nail or something, some type of a health-focused tool that they sell. They also might get involved in technology. They might have some type of uh, technology, whether it's an app or, again, a tool similar to like an iPhone that they use. They they consulting services. They have so many different things. They might all be focused on health care, but they have more than one thing that they that they use to generate income. And it's not until you get into the heart of a big business that you see that. That I don't know of too many big businesses that don't have several different services that might all roll up the same channel. Can you give us a few examples of how most business business models encourage workers because this is something else that you talk about can you give a few examples of how like today's business models how most of them encourage workers to put career first before family and god even though we keep hearing about work-life balance right yeah so most business models encourage us to absolutely put our careers um at the front and center of our lives and as we know it really shouldn't be that way especially for women that's what my personal mission is related to is women. I believe that women should be the primary influence in our children's lives and families' lives. And so a career or a job or a business um, that keeps a woman gone 40 to 60 hours a week is, is not what God intended and not God's best. And, but that's what most of them encourage us to do. And, you know, you're in a, in a job, and even this happens in businesses, which is why I coach women in business, they're gone 40 to 60 hours a week, and at the end of the day, they barely have enough time to get their kids to do homework, much less eat dinner together, and they do this five days a week, sometimes six days a week, and the average family um, has two jobs even today, and so a lot of families are even gone seven days a week, and so um, this is not, you know, living the way that God intended. Everyone and everything else is influencing our children and families, and we're 
not passing on our values because we're not really the ones spending good quality time or enough time with our, our children and our families. And so that means that everything else that they're attached to, school, you know, social media, the Internet, it's what's influencing them. It's the music they're listening to, everything else is conditioning their mind and they're hearing from their families less and less because families are gone more and more. And jobs, that's what jobs, you know, that's what they want. They want employees to, you know, work more. If you move into management, they want you to work 60 to 70 hours a week and sometimes getting paid the same amount of money. And if you're not in management and you're working a regular job, a lot of them, of course, as we know, with healthcare changes and stuff, you know, have dropped. some people have dropped down to 25, 30 hours a week, and now they need a second job. So now they're gone the same 50 to 60 hours a week just to be able to make ends meet. And this is just not, it's not conducive, and it's, it's, it's not offering people ways to develop their purpose or discover their purpose or to, to live on purpose. And so they're just going through life and they're going through the motions. And most people hate their jobs. They did a statistic that I think 97% of people hate their jobs. And the only reason wow. they're in the job is because they have to pay a car payment. They have to pay rent. They, because we've gotten ourselves into so much debt, you know, people are forced. Now we have college loans. People are forced to get these jobs. And they're literally, this is what the Bible means when it said um, a borrower is slave to the lender. You know, it's not just about borrowing money and being slave to that person, but now you're stuck in a job and you have to have this job. You can't quit the job. You can't take time off and figure out what your purpose is. You don't even have enough time throughout the week. You know, we're just literally slaves. People who have jobs are slaves to the lender and the lender in that case really is the job and but it backtracks to the debt that we're in and the you know the lifestyle we want to live and you're not really fulfilling the purpose you have and this is why people are dying early like our bodies weren't designed to just go through the motions and to to not have a spiritual you know life and to not be connected to god and and then we're wondering why you know our finances are the way they are and then we have like you said predators. We have bank predators. We have credit card predators. We have payday advances. You know, all these things that there are good people doing some of these things, but unfortunately though most of those people prey after people. Credit card companies, they, if you notice, that people get and that's what happened to us. People get the most amount of credit offered to them when they are at an average credit score because they know that people need the money. They've got pretty good credit, so they most likely are going to attempt to keep paying the loan, but they'll only make minimum payments for the rest of their life. And so they purposely go after those type of people because they understand this and the situation we're in. And instead of focusing on how to create more money, we're focused on let's get debt. Let me let me use this. You know, now I am a, a proponent for leveraging debt to start a business and in business to use it wisely but not where you are a slave to the debt. You need to master your money. You need to leverage the debt to increase your income, not pay for things or buy things you don't really need or can't really afford yet. You need to use it to create more money, just like tax returns. You know, one of the things that um, we do, I'm a um, tax strategist, expert, um, tax, you know, planner. Um, so we do taxes for people on my team as well. And um, what I see every single year, and I've seen this for 17 years, is people get, a four thousand, five thousand, six thousand, ten thousand dollar tax refund, and what they do is they number one they pay off debt, they pay bills, and then a lot of them sometimes will go spend frivolously. But what I see more is let me pay off debt, let me pay some bills that are behind, and guess what? Now you're in the same position every single year because you haven't leveraged the money and invested it. How about start a business? 
How about start a business, create more money, and then you have money to pay those bills or you have money to pay off that debt. But instead, people pay off the credit card debt and then they get right back into credit card debt because they haven't increased their income uh, potential. All they've done is pay off debt and now they're in the same position. And so we really have a backwards, you know, attitude when it comes to work and when it comes to finances and how to handle all of those. Wow. So this is this is these are things that uh, again the credit cards and then uh, the reason they're coming after you. They know that you're probably going to be making payments to them for the rest of your life. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you're a real good. You're a real prime candidate. So we don't think about that. We think, oh, they're offering me a credit card. My credit must be good. <laughs> it wasn't good. They wouldn't offer me a credit card. Uh, uh, so and then the work-life balance. So, so you you know running a business now is not easy. It's just not easy. So off-the-shelf listeners might be listening, saying, you know, that really sounds good. Uh, when you think invest in a business, that's a lot of time in itself. How do you then snow? So let's say you stop working for somebody else. You go work for yourself. And I would say to anybody, if you think you're working hard now, wait till you start your own business. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really do that? Do you hire? Is that, that's probably why so many wealthy people have nannies and maids, and it's like you uh-huh. know, I just gotta hire a lot of people because it does chew up a lot of your time. How practically is it possible to do that and to have a good career? Now, where you're working mundane jobs. Right. So the it does require a lot to start start a business from scratch. Um, and so that is something to take into consideration. When you start a business and you have to be the one that develops everything, that does basically product research, whatever you're going to offer, whether it's a product or a service, you still have to do the research. You have to develop it. You have to put all the systems in place. And then you have to learn how to build a business because the number one thing that I have seen in 17 years and one of the things that most of my programs are also based on is the fact that no one has a business plan. A business plan is so super important. I mean, you need to learn how to build a business. And so many people start businesses and they have no idea how to start a business. And then when they don't make money, they get frustrated and they think that they're not supposed to be in business. And the truth is you have to learn. You have to educate yourself. Like even Proverbs talks about, you know, buying education is like one of the best things that you can ever do. And that's why mentors are so important. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is so I can teach people. And I have private services, but I also have, like, my um, new purpose-driven business academy, which is um, a very affordable way that someone can learn what took me 17 years and $100,000 in education and all of the mistakes that I've made and all the stuff that I know, I can now teach you how to get to a business and how to build it a lot faster. And so that's what you want to do. You want to find, you know, a mentor that you connect to that will, that speaks your language and that can teach you what, you know, they know. Because Literally, I've been millionaire, bankrupt, and now I'm back to multiple six figures, going to a million again. Obviously, I can teach you a lot faster so you avoid some of those mistakes. So the number one thing is people need to uh, realize that they're going to have to spend some time. They're going to have to invest a little money in order to really learn it. And going to business school, because trust me, I went to business school isn't the answer because they don't teach you in business school how to run a business and how to start a business. They teach you how to manage someone else's business. And so that's a big Uh. mistake that a lot of people are making. I mean, I, when I share, I studied for my master's in business. I do not have an MBA. I studied for it. It was halfway through the program that I realized I was already an entrepreneur and I was halfway through my MBA and I thought, 
this is not teaching me anything. It's teaching me how to run someone else's business. And so I made a decision not to continue the degree because it was costing me. I mean, a master's in business is expensive. Oh, and, you know, oh I yes. Was, and I was just starting. I was not yet a millionaire yet. I started my MBA when I was 23 years old. So I was just in the process, and I was making so much money already that I thought, why would I spend all this money on something that's not teaching me anything, teaching me how to run someone else's business? So I made the decision that's not the path for me, so I didn't finish it. And a lot of people think, let me go to school because that's going to be the answer, and that's not always the answer. Yes, it's a path for some people, but when you're an entrepreneur, there is no university that's going to teach you how to be a business owner. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Other mentors that you may connect with. Um, are going to teach you that. And so it's super important to learn, you know, what you need to know so you can have a successful, profitable business. But at the same time, understand that if you're going to start from scratch, it's going to take you probably a year. And so you need to plan for it. Like I have a private program where I teach someone it's six months that it takes us to develop all the systems. And now you're they're working while they're doing that, and they're making some money, but it's not until – six months to a year that things really begin to take off of them because they're having to start from scratch. Now, on that note, one of the streams of income I have is I am a sales director in Mary Kay, and Mary Kay is a direct sales company. And one of the reasons um, why I love the company because of what it stands for, God First, Family Second, all that as well, but direct sales is the easiest way for someone to step into a business model where you don't have to develop everything. You don't have to test it and see, is this going to work? What's the market going to bear? Are people going to like this? Am I going to make money? You know, like all those things you have to do and what I've had to do for 17 years, you don't have to do that inside of a direct sales model. And so there are going to be people that God's given a business idea. He's given a gift. They want to monetize something and they want to start a business you know, awesome. That, that's great. I, I help people like that all the time. But that's what takes the time. That's what takes more money. That's what takes an investment. But if you're like, I don't have a business idea. I don't have any way to create more money than this second part-time job I have that pays me minimum wage. Then you need to step into a model that's proven to work where somebody else has done all of the big stuff and you just step into a system and you just start working. And so that's one of the reasons why um, what, that's one of my streams of income because for most women, they're not going to have those ideas or time and they need to make money now. And so through Mary Kay, I'm able to help women step into that business model. Now, Mary Kay might not be for you, but direct sales, not most of the marketing, I'm not knocking all MLMs, but direct sales is a much easier, quicker model because it's a sales model and um, everything, ha nothing happens in business until someone sells something. And that's another mindset um, problem that a lot of people have. I don't want to sell anything, and I hear this all the time, Mary Kay, but I want a business. Well, guess what? When you're in business, you have to sell. Oh, Somebody oh, has yes. to sell something. <laughs> you know, well. so when, when I hear women say, I don't want to sell anything, but I want to have a business, then you we have to do some other work first because you've got to change your mindset because every mm -hmm. business has to sell. And so whether Mary Kay might not be for you, but another direct sales model will be the best option for people because it's about selling. There's real product being sold, and they sell right from the manufacturer. That's why it's called direct sales. And so you're able to make 
more money without wholesalers and distributors and, and full retail, you know, like buildings that you have to invest in. So the cost is always less. And so direct sales is a great model for you to step into something um, so that you're not having to spend all that money, all that time. And maybe you don't, like I said, have that gift idea. And of course, for me, Mary Kay started the company on the founding principles of God first family second and career third and her mission was to change women's lives and it's not about makeup and skincare that's just the vehicle we use and so that's in complete alignment with my personal mission of getting women back into the home with their families because when Mary Kay started women didn't have an opportunity Um, 80% of women worked um, you know didn't work they were homemakers and so Mary Kay's mission was to give women an opportunity that didn't exist well today 53 years later now 90% of women are working but now we have all these other problems and they're not making enough money and they're retiring broke and they're living paycheck to paycheck and behind really and so the role is reversed now now it's let me get women back into the home you know from what Mary Kay originally intended Um, but the direct sales model allows that to happen a lot quicker and, and a lot less expensive and so it gives that opportunity for people to really live how they want to live, which is God first, family second, and career third, without having to have this big corporation and all the responsibility and being tied to it or having to invest all that time and energy to create a big business. Because the truth is, business has been a year, two years, three years just to create the plan to start a business so it can be successful. So some people don't have that much time. So that is a great option for people is that direct sales model. It's the same way with – I know BlackRock, I don't know how long it took to start there, but some companies where I have worked in Amazon.com, I mean, Amazon's really taken off, but it took five years to just, from from when they launched it before they started making a profit, I don't know how many years mm-hmm. they put into planning, but they put a lot of in-depth planning, uh, and then you have to be someone who's open to change, uh, because businesses exactly. change every year. You, 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 if not, then your you, your business probably won't survive. Can you give us two to three signs that a woman isn't managing her finances well? Other sure, than just yeah. the financial debt, other we know that if you're in debt and you you, we know that's one. But can you give us two to three other signs that a woman isn't managing her finances well that that someone might not notice right away? Yeah, sure. So the number one thing is if you're avoiding any money tax bill issues if you're if you're avoiding uh, phone calls if you're avoiding the bills until the last minute if you're not paying bills when you know that you should if um if you don't have a system even if you don't have a business if you don't have a system where you're like my dad I remember growing up and once a month I saw my dad sit down at the desk and he had all of his bills and he'd go through his bills and he would do his planning and he would pay what needed to be paid and so he had a system so if you don't have a system a personal budget, if you can't tell me exactly how much all your bills are every single month, including gas, including toiletries, including literally everything that you spend money on, then that's a problem. If you're avoiding it and you're like, I don't want to deal with this or I don't open mail from bill collectors, if you're doing any of those type of behaviors, then there's a money management issue and most likely it's a deeper thing. That's just a symptom. Um, there's most likely a mindset issue. And then the other thing I'm going to say is if you have thoughts like there's never enough money or I don't know when more money's going to come or I don't want to pay this bill, I'll just pay it later. If you have thoughts like that, then, then most likely you have a money management problem and the thoughts are, are really what are guiding you and, and making you avoid stuff or making you not do what you know you should be doing. And if you're not doing what you know you should be doing, then that 
is definitely a problem. These are all signs um, that there is going to be some type of problem. And if it hasn't developed yet, it's going to keep getting bigger, just like it did for me. Now, have you found in your uh, – I heard a financial advisor say, and I recently read that women are doing better as far as investing. But I had a financial advisor say that women are still lag behind men. We are starting more businesses, but we our businesses are not generating at least a minimum of a million in revenues annually at, at, at the rate that men's businesses do. All I said, have you found that women still expect a man to handle and manage their finances? I think that's why some women still want to get married. They don't want to take that on. Uh, but have you found that women still expect a man to handle and manage the finances? Um, what I have found with working with hundreds and hundreds of women entrepreneurs, it's not that they want the man to do it. It's that they avoid it for whatever reason. Some of it does come down to um, confidence and, and, and how they view themselves because when you money is very personal, and when usually for a lot of women, like I said, they don't want to sell anything. They don't want to be pushy. Men are very black and white. Men can sell anything. You know, men are very direct. They have no problems usually. I mean, some people do, but usually they do not have problems with money because they see it as a tool. They see it as a resource. It's just black and white to them. They don't have any emotion behind it. But women, being that we're more nurturing, we're more emotional, and 97% of women have low self-esteem, you tie that into now I have to ask someone for money, and now I have to prepare, you know, to make money and then pay taxes. What they end up doing is they end up avoiding it, and they don't put systems in place. I see so many women, like, <clears throat> don't they start a business, and they don't have an accounting system. They don't have a financial system. They don't have a financial plan. But, I mean, you can't have a plan unless you have a system. They're not you know, prepare to pay taxes. They don't have a tax plan. Um, they don't, they just avoid it because it's, they don't want to deal with it because the energy behind money, it typically in numbers and finances and investing is very masculine. It's a very hard energy typically. And that's one reason that women, you know, just want to avoid it. There are women who, you know, have never had to manage money before. And so you do have that piece of it. And now they're first time they're having to manage money as a business owner, but really it comes down to, they just don't like it. They don't think it feels good. Um, they would rather be doing something more creative and more fun than thinking about the money and managing the money. But as an entrepreneur, you have like, that's your number one thing. 90% of businesses, fail because they don't know where they stand financially. They don't have a plan. And in order to grow something, you have to specifically track it. In order to track it, you have to know what you're tracking. In order to track it, you have to have a system to track it. And so all of these things are what play into women not being where they should financially, especially when it comes to being a business owner. Can you share one or two techniques that uh, women can take, practical steps they can take, like immediately to start growing wealth? Yes, practical steps is the first thing would be um, is to write down all of your bills and figure out how much money, whether you have a job or, you, or, or you're a business owner, either way, you sit down and you write out every single bill that you have, you write out everything that you possibly ever pay and how much you need to make every single month. So if you have some bills you pay weekly, some bills you pay quarterly, you're going to need to calculate those on a monthly basis 
and then figure out, you know, how much you actually need to make. Because this is the biggest problem. Again, you cannot create something that you don't know. You can't track something that you don't know. And so the first thing you have to know is how much money do I actually need to make to be able to pay everything that I want? And then once you have that number, then you can say, well, what are some things I want to do? You know, if I want to be able to save, I want to be able to pay off debt, I want to be able to do all these things in life, well, I've got to now be able to figure out what that cost is as well. And so that is the first thing, business owner or not, you've got to figure out exactly how much money that you actually need to make so you can become more aware so you can begin to then look for opportunities. And if you're a business owner, at the end of the day, you've got to create the money to pay your personal bills. And so if you don't know how much you actually need, this is why a lot of women in business don't meet financial goals because they don't even know what the goal is. And and so that is like the number one thing. And then you need to get a system, whether you, again, whether you have a job, or your business owner, when you're in business, oh, my God, this system is, is super important, and it's the main thing that I focus on. I'm about to release um, a money management mastery challenge and a new program um, to help women entrepreneurs in regards to this because it's so important to grow your business. But even personally, if you just have a job, you need to have a system for paying your bills. You need to have a system for when an unexpected bill comes. What am I going to do? So you've got to have these things in place so you can really begin to master your money. Okay. Uh, can you tell us, as I told you, the, the interview shows always go so fast. Can you tell us what types of money management services, you alluded to some of them, but what types of money management services do you offer both online and offline? Sure, yeah, of course. So um, some of the services I offer are, I mean, it depends on for entrepreneur where they are in their business. So I have different programs to help them because, you know, when you're just starting out, you need something very different than when you're starting to make some money. And then once you hit six or seven figures, you're going to need more support. So basically I have programs designed to help women entrepreneurs at whatever stage that they're at. And I'm, I'm about to release a group program, which is going to be able to help me reach more people at a more affordable cost so that, um, you know, women can get access to me more so we can help walk through some of these things. And I also, we also offer tax planning. Um, you can visit my site, snowsaxon.com forward slash taxes, and you'll see the tax link when you visit snowsaxon.com. And um, the IRS, the first thing I share on this um, part of my website is that the IRS released a report that we overpay our taxes by $945 billion, billion. And wow. you, you can actually go back three years and get a cash refund. After three years, you can no longer do that. And the IRS just released a report saying, you know, 2012 is about to close. Once April 15th happens, that will be three official years. And I think that they will be removing a hundred and some million dollars in unclaimed tax refunds. So not only are we overpaying our taxes, but people are not filing taxes. And so we're missing billions and billions of dollars because people file their taxes themselves, especially when they're entrepreneurs. I say this, and this is not because I want your money to file your taxes, but if you're a business owner, you should not be filing your taxes yourself because there's just so much that you don't understand and people miss and they make mistakes and they're not great record keepers because, again, most people do not have a system. And so at the end of the year, I have, or actually the beginning of the next year, like right now people are scrambling to figure out their taxes. And if you're a business owner, you should be able to file your taxes in January because you had a system all throughout the year and all you have to do is pull a profit and loss and pull a balance statement 
from your financials because you have a system and you could file your taxes immediately. But most people aren't doing that, and so they're backtracking. They're doing 2015 accounting and bookkeeping and money management right now in 2016, and that's why they're putting their wheels and not getting ahead. But through our strategic tax planning, um, we basically utilize all the credits and loopholes that people don't know about, little-known tax strategies, and we create strategic tax plans as well. And my average client saves about $5,000 um, every single year through strategic tax planning. I have clients that have saved $50,000 in one year, you know, who are making, you know, seven figures. We're able to save them a lot more. And that, that the how much you save totally depends on every situation is different, um, you know, based on all different types of factors. But the bottom line is there are so many tax strategies that people don't know about, especially as an entrepreneur. So we also offer a tax planning services, which um, the service helps you to not only save, but it also helps you to prepare for taxes because you should be paying quarterly taxes as an entrepreneur. You should be right now. Um, you shouldn't just be thinking about April 15th tax deadline. As an entrepreneur, the first quarter has now ended, and so your quarterly taxes are going to be due this month. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, you need to have a system in place so you can stay ahead of that. So number one, you actually know how much you owe, but also so you can start implementing strategies because strategies for tax planning, they don't take effect next year. You have to put them in place now. And so that's another service that we offer, um, tax planning, that will really help put money in someone's pocket, but also help them to get better prepared for taxes so they're being proactive instead of reactive. And then, of course, I do offer private business coaching as well. I have um, a handful of Sometimes available each week, so I only private coach about five people at one time due to all the other streams of income I have. But I, I do offer that as well for those women who are really serious about moving towards six figures quickly. Um, I offer that service as well. And then I also have automated programs like I um, just released um, an online academy that's for business, so it's the purpose-driven business academy, so it's, um, it's very affordable but teaches you everything. I also have an online tax academy that um, if you're just starting out and you don't have thousands of dollars to invest yet to work with me privately, you can utilize these online academies where you can learn at your own pace and you can learn everything from me that I know so you can still get that information for you. Okay. So where where do where can our off the shelf listeners get copies of Bankrupt the Six Figures? You can find that on Apple Book, iBooks. You can find it on Kindle. You can find it at Amazon.com as well. Okay, and are you on any social media networks? Where can people find oh, yes. you online if they want? Yes, you can find me um, on Facebook. I'm Snow Saxman, and then I also have a private Facebook group. It's called Purpose Driven Working Women, and it's a group for women, it's a sisterhood, a community of women who want to keep God first in their their life. Um, it's for um, working women, business owners, or regular uh, women who have jobs, just a community of women who want to keep God first in their business and life and, and their jobs. And we share, I do all types of mentoring in there. I do free mentoring Tuesday and Thursdays. Um, I give all types of resources to my group members. So you can find us on Facebook, Purpose Driven Working Women. Request access and um, uh, be involved in our community of women who want to keep God first in their life. And also learn all types of valuable stuff from me. I have all types of free resources and things to help you grow financially, spiritually, and emotionally. We want to thank Snow Saxman for being here with us on Off the Shelf today. She shared a lot of free information here this morning. But if you want to learn more about her and her services, again, you can go to her website, which is snowsaxman.com, and that's spelled S-N-O-W-E, S as in Sam, 
A X M A N dot com. Again, S N O W E S A X M A N dot com. Snowsaxman dot com. She is the author of the book Bankrupt to Six Figures, and and she she at, in her twenties was a millionaire, and she's working her way back there again, but putting God first, and then family, then career. So. You can, you can check her out, and I encourage you to support her book, Bankrupt to Six Figures. And and she said her book is, is, is something that everybody can take advantage of, but she also offers more tailored service, more customized services through her website, again, snowsaxman.com. So I encourage you to, to support Snow. And please go out and get a copy of Love Pull Over Me, my latest novel, Love Pull Over Me by Denise Turney. Thank you for being here with us at Off the Shelf this Saturday. Please come back next Saturday, 11 a.m., when we will bring you another phenomenal guest. Remember to plug it in, Off the Shelf, Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time. And as I always tell you, you are incredible. You are amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday, 11 a.m. Bye for now. And Snow, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you.